Welcome to the Develop Basketball Podcast. This is Coach Chevy. Today we have Jim Flannery, head coach of Creighton Women's Basketball. Enjoy. We have Jim Flannery. Uh, he has actually had the longest lasting non-transfer rate um, in the country. This is going on 11 years, Flan? Yeah, I think it's 12. 2008 oh. was the last time we had a transfer. Okay. That's uh, pretty impressive. Um, but I felt like this would be a perfect opportunity to kind of get your take on how that experience has been and how it's gotten that, that far. Um, but you've obviously established a really good culture. What and who do you think influenced you the most in your philosophy? Well, I think if, if I had to go back, I think when, when I was initially a head coach, I remember having conversations with people in the department and just talking about, you know, you don't recognize that you don't have chemistry until that year when you don't have it and what a, what a big deal it can make. And I think, you know, um, you know, one of my earlier years, we had a year where we didn't have good chemistry. And I just said, well, we got to, we can't have that happen again because we're not going to be talented enough to overcome it. I mean, we're not going to probably consistently recruit at a level where we can't, you know, get along in the locker room. And (laughs) if, if we don't, that's, you know, that's really going to show up in terms of, of results, but also just, you know, the day to day and you want to, you want to go to work and enjoy it. And you want your, the players you recruit to have a great experience. So I think I was blessed with having a, <laughs> a year fairly early in my career where it was apparent that we didn't have it. And so you kind of recommit to that. And I think that was really helpful for me. And, uh, it probably helped me manage my staff better too, because I felt like that's probably where I broke down the most was not even staff to player. It was staff to staff. And um, Tony DeCecco was an assistant coach uh, with me, you know, way back in the nineties. And um, he was great because I really felt like I learned a lot from him in terms of just how much the players are going through, you know, and just, I, I, and I think, as a male coaching women, I think that's, you know, we don't always, <laughs> you know, we don't always have a, a, a great pulse on what's, what a 18 to 22 year old female is going through. And so, but Tony was actually, you know, because he had coached high school girls for so long. Yeah. And so when he got to Creighton as an assistant coach, he had, he had 25 years of high school coaching and you know how much drama there can oh, be yeah. <laughs> in high school girls. So I think he was really impactful for me to see him, you know, find the kids who are struggling and, um, and help them and, 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 and not make it always about playing time. Like, Hey, take your focus a little bit away from basketball and find the other things that you enjoy. And so I think, you know, with, when I had, you know, I've tried to have younger females on staff who, you know, you were one and, (laughs) But I think they help because the older I get, the harder it is for me to connect with 18 to 20 year olds. Um, but I try to empower my assistant coaches, and I think they do a great job. And um, I think it's been helpful to watch Kirsten um, Bernthal Booth and volleyball because I think Kirsten has done a phenomenal job of of putting together a top 15 bas- uh, volleyball program. But you know, she constantly is on the talking about that and it's a good reminder for me because (laughs) 
you know, because I look at her success and you, you connect the two, you say, well, geez, your, your culture is, is a big part of your success and your success obviously keeps adding your culture. So, you know, um, I think, you know, obviously other coaches I've worked with have been impactful, but uh, just all the way back to when I coached with Tony, just how, how important it was to stay on top of kids who were struggling. Yeah. Um, because those are the kids you need to lift up. You don't need to lift up the leading score a lot of times or the, <laughs> the kid right. who's getting to play 32 minutes or, you know, who's got all A's and, you know, um, it's, it's the kids who aren't because they're, you know, you've got to, everybody's got to be on board and you're never going to have 15 best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to have a respect in the locker room. And I think that's been, that's been, you know, like I said, after, after a year early in my career, where we didn't have it. It's something I recommitted to. Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, yeah. And so it kind of leads you to, or leads me to the next question. Um, you talked about how you guys weren't going to be talented enough to not have a good culture um, at the time when you had, when you had the rough year. Um, so if you were a high school coach, and you don't have control over your roster every year as much as you do at the college level. Um, if you were in their shoes, how would you create and establish a, a good culture? Yeah, well, I think I think a few things come to mind. First, I think you have to be honest with with kids, um, but also open-minded because kids improve. And I think you, as a college coach, you know. There are, there are players who come in and you think, oh, she's not going to be good enough to help us. And then, yeah. but if you keep an open mind, gosh, a year or two or three years later, they, they impact your program in a way that you didn't always see. And the longer I've done it, the, the more examples I have of that, who, of kids who I'm like, oh, we made a mistake. That kid's never going to be able to help us. And then, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think that that's impactful even for a high school coach is, but also give those kids, give those kids an identity in terms of give a, give, give the kids who maybe aren't playing as much opportunities to impact the team, whether it's in the locker room or give them some sort of leadership role, because I think that's, that's helpful. I think a lot of times and probably in high school, even more so, you know, kids hang on, on the words of their parents and the, the emotions of their parents. And so if, the kid may be doing okay with her role on the team. She may say, you know what, I wish I was playing more, but I I don't mind my role too much. And then he or she goes home and talks to mom and dad. And, you know, all of a sudden they think, well, I'm not, I must be unhappy because I'm not getting to play. (laughs) (laughs) And again, I've seen that happen where I feel like the kid's okay until mom and dad get a little bit more into his or her head. So I think that's, I think it's important as a coach that you kind of stay on top of that, but just you have to obviously keep lines of communication open and you have to use your whole staff. I think, you know, I mean, I've, I go to high school games and there's more, sometimes there's more assistant coaches on the bench than, than I say. I'm like, Whoa. And that's not always the case, obviously in smaller schools, but there's, but just empower your assistant coaches to identify the kids who are going to be most fragile and, and lift, help lift them up because they, it's a tough time when you're 15 or 16 or 17 and you're, you know, you, you're, you're struggling with your esteem on, in a lot of areas sometimes, not, not obviously just basketball, but 
you know, I've got, I mean, I'm, my kids aren't teenagers, but what am I going to do when they first have acne and they go to school and they're worried about their, their face breaking out, you know, they've got all kinds of other, other issues. And so right. just empower your assistants and, but also keep lifting them up. And, you know, I think, you know, as far as you can reach down even into middle school and, you know, get them to kind of establish, you know, what, what are the pillars of your program? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you need to go down to third grade or fourth grade. I know some coaches do now, but, you know, by seventh and eighth grade, if those kids can kind of start to model what, what it means to be a part of that program, I think that's, that's helpful. And, and I always think with, in regard to, parents I think you lines of community there, there needs to be a line but it can be a little blurry I don't I think sometimes coaches are like oh I'm never you know parents are completely I'm going to keep them completely at arm's length and then I think sometimes you know you can put your arms around parents too much and you know there needs to be a little bit of a buffer but if if a, a particular parent or is struggling, I think it's okay to maybe cross the line and say, look, I, I want to have a conversation with you. Um, but I don't know that you can do that with everybody that uh, right. we're going to have a problem with you because you, you know, at the end of the day, you can't have 15 starters and 15 leading scorers. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I do think, you know, just being honest with, with both kids and, and parents, but also, um, you know, establishing, you know, in seventh and eighth grade, what are the, what are the pillars of your program, hard work and trust and all those things? Yeah, no, I think that's really, really good. Um, because I, like you like you said, I think one of the most difficult aspects of it, it seems like the, the parent relationship with the kid to the coach. And, um, I think that probably is one of the more, you know, complicated relationships to navigate. Cause like you said, you can't, you, you got to keep a, a line, but it can't be black and white. Um, it's definitely right. some gray in there. So, um, okay. So how do you feel like that philosophy plays into your recruiting? Um, like on the court, off the court, uh, what do you look for as, as far as like red flags or even things that maybe it make you more attracted to a kid, um, as far as fit and culture? Sure. Yeah. I mean, and you know, when red flags are, that's a, that's a phrase that we use when we recruit is, Yellow flag, red flag, <laughs> kind of like soccer. You've got the red card and the yellow card. Maybe we should uh, try that. But, you know, and, and I think you need to be careful not to, you know, to see a kid one time and maybe she had the worst day of her life and, you know, something's going on and yeah. you're like, you see her one time and her body language was so bad and you just say, oh, immediately off the list. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, they're 15, 16 years old a lot of times, and um, but absolutely, you you want to pay attention to how a how a young person interacts with his or her teammates. How do they interact with their coach? And you know, for us, in terms of you know, if if they have a parent or two parents come on campus with a visit, I want to know, you know, do they how what they don't have to be. <laughs> they can they can occasionally you know, make a crack about their parents, but are, you know, how do they interact with their parents? Are they respectful? Cause I think that that's going to show you whether they're going to respect you as a coach at some point. Um, so those things are important. And, you know, I've always said too, I, I, 
I like to see a player play when she plays quote poorly, like she can't make a shot. Yeah. She maybe turns the ball over. She's, you know, how does, how does she respond? Is she, does she yell at her teammates? Does she stop wanting to be coached? You know, yeah. and it's okay to maybe shrug your shoulders once in a while or, <laughs> or, you know, lift your eyes one time. But I mean, if you're constantly, you know, showing bad body language, those are, that's a red flag. And, you know, we want, I don't, we don't care if a kid is, is a 4.0 student, but is she, does she try? Right. You know, it's one thing. Um, and, and again, it does, you know, she doesn't have to want to get a 4.0 or want to, but, but she has to want to try in the classroom. Is she, you know, is she, you know, how is she, you know, so when we talk to high school coaches or a, or a club coach, we want to know, is she, does she have a, a sincerity about the way she approaches other things besides basketball? Because, yeah. you know, Creighton's not an easy school, but any, you know, college is not easy there you know your study habits are going to have to be a little better and we certainly have had kids who were really college ready from a study standpoint to kids who are less but um you know are they willing to grow i think is is a big thing but uh you know so yeah and, and then you know the other part is i think competitive you know one of the th- you're always going to talk about somebody's skill and their athleticism okay do they you know, are they quick enough? Can they run fast enough? Can they jump high enough? Are they the shooter, the the ball handler, the but but also, you know, what what kind of a competitor is somebody, and how do they demonstrate that? Because some people will say, well, you can tell she doesn't like to lose because she's how fiery she is. Yeah. Well, if she's fiery and the way she's demonstrating that is to yell at her teammates <laughs> yeah. and get upset all you know there's 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 a way that you can be with your teammates and 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 your coaches that that demonstrates competitiveness versus I'm acting out and and demonstrating you know demonstrating too much so I think there's um because I think we can we can excuse that a lot of times to oh she's just a competitor (laughs) right and and again if she's 14 that's different than if she's 17 than if she's 20 the the younger she is the more we were like okay she can grow out of that a little bit if she's and especially if she gets around the right you know the the kind of teammates that can help her there but we we do draw a line in terms of if she's if she's uncoachable you know she's probably going to be uncoachable for us I think that is really, really good. Um, so what do you think, I mean, with that, what do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to, especially from the parents' perspective, but also players, um, when it comes to their performance as it relates to recruiting for you? Um, what, do you what do you hear the most from parents or kids that when you're, when you're talking to them, like, oh, I don't really care about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think they, I think, I think physical effort a lot of times is undervalued. Like just keep playing hard. Like I said, I want to, I want to see somebody on a day where she doesn't have her best because then I can see if she's going to still play really, really hard. So I, you know, I had a conversation with a dad not too long ago and, you know, I think he, you know, wanted to talk about, you know, I had just watched his daughter play and he wanted to talk about, Oh, you know, 
her fit, the way she finished around the rim or, you know, she wasn't strong enough with the ball. And, you know, and I wanted to talk about the fact that she didn't rebound as much as, as I wanted her <laughs> yeah. to. And she didn't, yeah. you know, I felt like defensively she could be more active. I think it's, you know, in our sport, it, it comes down to, yeah, yeah, you have to be skilled for sure. And you have to, you can't, <laughs> you can't shoot 20% from the field and yeah. 10% from the three point line and make a college roster. Um, but, but you have to win possessions. And that's something that I think um, people don't see. Can I get two loose ball rebounds? Can I, do I occasionally draw a charge? Do I, am I, a, do I communicate on the floor both when the ball is being played, but also during dead balls? Am I, what do I do there? Cause again, to go back to my thing, I want to, I want to see a kid. I want to know what her base, if she's having a bad game for me, playing for me, am I still going to get two or three or four things out of her? Or am I going to get zero? <laughs> right, right. Cause if I, if I can only get zero things out of her on that bad day, then I'm probably not going to, you know, yeah. You're not going to have your a game um, on offense at the college level every night out. I mean, NBA players don't have their right. A game. I mean, right. <laughs> every night out. And, and so it's, what is, what are you going to give me every night? I think that's, that's important. What, you know, what are some things you can give us in the locker room? Are you going to, um, are you going to be in, and not every kid is going to give you, you know, there's, it's okay to be quiet and not a total rah-rah, but are you going to suck energy out of the locker room? Are you going to take energy out of the practice court because, um, you know, it's, it's routine. And, and, and I think, I think Chev, one of the tough things is kids play, they play, they, they start younger and they play more, mm -hmm. which is good, but you're going to, human nature is you're going to lose a little bit of enthusiasm. You know, <laughs> back in Flans day, you, <laughs> we played so few, like, you know, I remember getting to go to a camp was a big deal let alone, you know, I didn't, we never got to play summer tournaments. We had open gym in the summer, but we never got to go yeah. play in the tournaments. And so you had a hunger, like you looked forward to getting into the gym because you didn't, it wasn't always open. Mm. Um, and you didn't always have a game waiting for you. You had to, and I was, you know, I played some other sports, but I was, basketball was my favorite. And so I think one of the things is, and I know if you go to a tournament and you're playing your fourth game in two days, maybe you don't have to be super hyped when you step on the floor, but you can't act like it's a drag. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you do that, that's yeah. what it's going to become like in college because you're, you're now three years further down the line. You've played, you've played even more basketball over the last few years and it's just a job. And, you know, you hear people outside say, college athletics is a job. And I, I understand that, but I, I hope it's never that way at Creighton. And I don't, you know, you hope that an 18 year old still has a sense of excitement and curiosity about, Hey, I still want to get better. Right. And it's a balance because like you, like, you know, if you play, if you, all you do is play and play and play, you can lose a little bit of that, but you still want a kid who, you know, appreciates the opportunity they get. And I know old school people like me say, <laughs> you know, I'd kill to have 
what what kids nowadays have. But I also think, you know, there probably would have been a time where I'd been like, eh, I don't want to go to the, you know, even even though I liked basketball, there's that, oh, I've already I've already played four times this week. <laughs> um, so I think just having an appreciation and being able to tell if a kid is just, you know, the slowest kid to put on their, their tennis shoes. To, you know, like when you get to the gym, are you are you the last one on the court to warm up? Are you the are you the quickest to get your shoes off and and get out of the gym? Those are things that we pay attention to. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good because I, I just remember it was like my first or second year. Um, and I can't remember who we were talking about. Um, I wouldn't say their name if I remembered, but I just know that you said uh, something to the effect of, well, if she's not scoring, what what does she do? Um, and that stuck with me because it's like, all right, well, we know scoring is always going to be somewhat like this. Um, and so you have to do something that you have control over. We always talk about the controllables, uh, because those didn't go up and down or they didn't have to. Um, so kind of like you pointed out, there were players that we had that you didn't think that were going to be impactful for our team, but they just figured out a way to make those controllables really stand out. Um, and I just, I just remember you talking about that and it, it definitely stuck with me. But, um, so and I, can, I, can I tell one, one other story, you know, and, and I don't know if you were a part of the team or if maybe it was the year you were um, injured and redshirted, but uh, we were, we had lost a game at Southern Illinois and played particularly poorly. And we ended up practicing there the next day before we went to Evansville. Mm-hmm. And I was, younger and I was probably a little more emotional. You might find that hard to believe, Chevy. Um, but, you know, I wanted to see how our players responded to a, a game the night before where we, not only did we not play well, but I just didn't feel like we played with enough emotion and energy. So we got to the gym the next day and um, we had two kids get out on the court right away. They've got their shoes on and they got right out to start shooting, to get ready for practice. And then there was a lull. And by the time the third person got out there, you know, and so what we did that day was, or actually it was the next day maybe, but I just said, okay, the two who got out right away will start against Evansville. And we're going to play a one-on-one tournament for the other three starters. I remember that now. <laughs> um, because I think it's a reminder that, you know, and, and I, you know, as a coach, like uh, we we tell our we're not going to make we're not going to make you go if we know we're playing the next day. We're not going to make you practice three hours a day if we're in between games, but we still expect you to show up ready to go. And I just that that reminder that you know what I was talking about about being the last one to get your shoes on and to yeah. get out there and just you know walking over to grab your ball and walking to a basket and just kind of enthusiasm because that's infectious. Like if, if, if one or two people on your team take that mentality, then all of a sudden four or five are going to do it and then the whole team's going to do it. And and it really doesn't take much for, for the whole team to watch one or two people do it the right way and say, okay, I'm, I can, I can do it because look at, look at the example I'm getting. Yes. Yeah, 100%. I think that's, (laughs) it's just crazy how many things for you, I mean, specifically that you've picked up um, that wouldn't even cross anyone's mind, 
you know, to think about. Because I, you also used to talk about touching the lines. Um, yeah. I think it was like warm up lines or something. There was like a kid who was adamant about touching the line every time, and it was like every the rest of the team would not do it. They kind of just get close to it, but they wouldn't wouldn't touch it. But um, yeah, it's just those those you know big things, but um, things that kids don't necessarily notice or you know value at this point. Right. So, um, okay. So moving on to kind of recruiting, um, if you are a high school coach, okay. So obviously mm -hmm. the situation is really weird with the summer. You guys have had to been, um, watching film online on your computer. Right. Um, so if you're a high school coach, uh, how would you help your kids get recruited? Um, if there isn't a high school season and if there is one. Yeah. Well, first thing I think is you've got to, when college coaches do reach out, just be as timely as you can in terms of responding and, you know, and getting information back to them and, and, you know, being a go between, between the, you know, your, your student athlete and, mm -hmm. and the college coach, because I think that's, you know, as a college coach, if a, if a coach, drags his or her feet in terms of responding to me. And, I, and, you know, I'm not saying that high school coaches don't get to go on vacation or go on a, go out on a date with their spouse or whatever. But if, if it takes a while to get back to me or one of our coaches, then, you know, there's a subtle hint that maybe that they're not willing to do everything they can for, for the, for the person in their program, which is, mm -hmm again, that's just a, a negative, but I think just being a, being a really good communicator, um, you know, being proactive, I think, I think talking to your student athlete about, you know, where do you want to go? I think is, I think in this climate, like you talked about, it's a lot of recruiting is, you know, you, you can have, you know, oh, I'm going to wait to see who's interested in me. Yes. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to kind of put together my plan. I think in this environment, you have to be more intentional about, okay, I've got to really decide where, you know, where I want to go. And, it, and, but it can't necessarily all be my A list. You know, if I have to jump down to my B list or in terms of, of level of play, not, not that you're not going to compromise on, you know, if, 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 if distance from home is a big deal to you, <laughs> yeah. you know, and academics are huge to you, don't compromise on those things. Compromise um, by the level of basketball that, that you want to play and put together a strong B list, you know, because I think, you know, and Chev, you, you know, before you came to Creighton, you know, you were at Midland for a year and, you know, um, you know how good Concordia oh is, and we, yeah. you know, <laughs> I had somebody, I had somebody tell me the other day how good Concordia, you know, he, somebody who was the athletic director at Doan, I okay. ran into him, found out he's, he's trying to tell me that Concordia women are really good, and I said, well, <laughs> I think I know that, because we yeah. played them in an exhibition, and they almost beat us, so <laughs> I do know that they're really good. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of kids don't understand how good the basketball is yes. 
in this state in the in the GPAC, there that there are so many good NAI schools and Division two schools. It's not a it it shouldn't be just Division one or bust. Exactly. And so, if your goal is to go to Division one, that's that's fine to have that in your pool of A, you know, schools. But I think you should also entertain schools that are quote a, a level below that because. Boy, the competition in the, you know, and you were there for a year at Midland, the competition in that league is tremendous. And there's a lot of really good players and you could have a great experience there, a a great experience playing in that conference. Um, Good coaches. um, And, and, you know, in that league, there's probably, you know, five or six teams in the top 15 in the country every year. So, (laughs) um, so I think that's important to know that it shouldn't be, you know, or you'll have a kid think, oh, I want to go division one, but they'll go, you know, 16, 16 hours from home. Yeah. And there are all kinds of D2, division two schools who are really good programs recruiting them within three or four or five hours. And I think that's, and then you would see a year or two later, they end up transferring back because that small division one, 16 hours from home, really, you know, it's not like they were drawing 6,000 people and it was a, it was a quote division one experience in the same way that, you know, so I think that's, I think, you know, figure out your geography, figure out kind of what, what size of school you want to go to, but then, you know, really, really give, um, you know, give credit to the programs around our area that are, that are really good and can give you a great experience in, in, in this sport. And if you've got your dream school, that's fine, but don't be stubborn about waiting, waiting forever um, when you've got other opportunities. Yes, that's, you hit it on the head, I think, because it's so easy to get caught up on the level. I think social media has a little to do with that. Um, you know, I think yeah. it's, it's fancier to post that you're going to a D1 school. Um, but at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta worry about what your day to day is gonna look like. So your non-negotiables that you mentioned of education, um, location. Did you did you have one more? Uh, size of school. I think you know yeah. if you're if you're if you're if you're intimidated by something that's too big or you're turned off because something's a little too small. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there are plenty of avenues to you know yeah. pick a little bit larger school, even if it's you know. Um, a non-division one school where, you know, there's plenty of, plenty of schools that have, a, you know, right. enrollments a little bit larger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's excellent advice. Um, so- and, and even, you know, like you said, the education part, you know, I'll have, I'll have people email me player uh, recruits, email me and, you know, and they want to major in engineering or something that we don't even have. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so do you, you know, and I understand that, a lot of 16 and 17 year olds don't know what they want to study. But if you do have a specific, like if you've, if from the time you were 10, you know, you wanted to follow in your mom or your dad's footsteps and you're committed to an academic track, um, you know, go to a school that's got that as a, as a major or, or a strength even, you know, not just a major, but maybe it's like, not only are they, do they have that as a major, but that's one of their strengths. Uh, um, because you can you can have a great experience, you know, as you know, Shav, the the 
the people that you play college basketball with become they can they become like lifelong friends. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what level you play. You if you're in the locker room and you're trying to win a conference championship with those kids, um, with or with those teammates, that's going to be a better experience than if you go somewhere and you you're not good enough to play and you're miserable and you're in the other areas. Yes. Now you may go somewhere and you like the academics and you like some of the stuff, but if you're miserable in the other areas, just so you can say, yeah, but I was a division one basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you're going to look back and regret it. Yes. Uh, yeah. So. And that's in, and on top of that, um, you know how it is. I mean, with women's basketball, how many of them want to actually play in the WNBA? It's like yeah. night and day from men. They, you know, everybody in the, on the men's side is trying to play in the league or professionally. Um, where a lot more women are, are going to go whatever profession they, they went to school for. So uh, education becomes an even more important part to, uh, of your decision. So, yeah, I think that's great. Right. Okay. All right. So now that you've had a whole summer under your belt of recruiting on the computer screen, um, <laughs> how has that been for you and how has it impacted the recruiting? Well, it's made me better technologically. I know, I know you would, <laughs> you would doubt that, doubt that, but it, it's forced me to have to be better on the computer. Um, you know, the first tournament or a couple, I, I actually liked it because I could click around and watch yeah. more games, and um, you know, the travel and recruiting can be kind of difficult. Um, but then it got old. <laughs> um, if I, you know, but I do think there's a blueprint. Like if I had to, if I was the one making the rules, I'd say, let's do maybe 30 to 40% virtual. Um, and then, you know, maybe 60 or 70% live because, you know, it's, you need to go out and watch hmm. recruits live. You need to yeah. see how quick they are and how they see the floor and, you know, some of the things we talked about earlier, the body language and the how are they with communicating with their teammates and coaches that you can't always see on a sitting on a computer screen. But um, I do think in terms of like narrowing down your pool and maybe identifying some things that you you weren't, you know, because you know how as a college coach, sometimes you you go watch one game then you get in your car and you go watch another game and you miss yeah you don't maybe see as many people. So I do think there's a value to maybe doing some virtual recruiting mm -hmm. in the future, but, uh, but it is more difficult to kind of hone in on the specifics of some of the things that we've already talked about, but even just kind of overall athleticism and length and, okay, she looks kind of long, but I can't really tell. And, right, right. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, the, but it, you know, and, and not having kids on campus has been hard, I think, because kids want to visit and they want to, you know, experience what being on a campus is like and be around your players. And I don't know what that's going to look like even in the fall, if we're going to be able to get uh, recruits on campus or if it's going to be, and maybe we get them on campus, but it's still not going to be quite the same because we'll have a lot of restrictions where they won't be able to do They'll be able to do A, B, and C, but they won't be able to do D, E, and F that we've been able to do in the past. And so 
Um, but I think on the other hand, because of that, recruits have been probably more proactive reaching out to us because they understand that right. there's, it's been a little, you know, they're, they're, they're rightfully worried that maybe, you know, things aren't going to break the way they want them to break because we didn't get to see them in the, in this, in a, in a normal context. And I guess I would just counsel them by saying, you know, we're, we're still going to have to make tough decisions and maybe our process will be delayed a little because we have to all get together as a staff and, and say, well, I watched so-and-so three times and this is what I saw. And so I think decisions coming from coaches might be a little slower, mm -hmm. but we're still recruiting the same pool of, of play of, you know, student right. athletes, prospective student athletes. So it's not like at some point we're not going to say, okay, we, this was our group of a, a kids. We we're now we're going to keep moving. Um, and that's going to happen everywhere. You know, division one, the highest level of division one are going to lose out on kids. They're going to, they're going to move to the next kids. And then, you know, that domino effect division two coaches are going to move, miss out on some kids and they're going to, they're going to come to you and NAI coaches are going to miss out on a kid maybe that they were recruiting yeah. and they're going to come to you. So I do, I do think if I were to give counsel, I'd just say, be patient, stay proactive in terms of, of, of your communication, but we're still going to have the same number of scholarships unless COVID really <laughs> starts to take away our money. Um, but uh, I think, I think it's just going to take, coaching staffs a little longer to uh, to put together their plan. And mm. I always tell kids too, don't panic. I mean, there's going to be people you know who yeah. are comfortable to make a decision really early. And don't, don't think that, you know, just because they made a decision early or they got an offer early that, that you need to panic and make a decision. Just, you know, kind of stick to what your plan was and, mm -hmm. you know, I'll just, call you out but you know Chevy we didn't offer you a scholarship until it's a different time I know because you're September. people don't know how old you are I'm not going to tell them how old you are but Thank you. you know we didn't offer you until probably September of your senior year in high school right so I mean it was the fall um, and everybody said you're too small that was the knock on you was you were too small but I mean but I can tell you we've had a lot of we've had a lot of players who've been really good players in our program who were offered very late and you know I, I think you know back to to a time way way back where I think we offered we had a really big class we offered like four we had four kids early and like three late mm. but the three that we offered late all started oh and goodness. I think oh maybe only one of the four that we offered early ended up starting so <laughs> that is crazy. I think you know yeah be patient I know that's hard I know it's hard for kids to be patient and parents to right. be patient because they're, they're looking around and they're seeing that yes. so-and-so got an offer and so-and-so did this, but um, you'll eventually land where, you know, somewhere or probably where you should land from a basketball standpoint, but make sure that all those other bricks are in place because um, those are important too. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely true. Um, so do you feel like some of the some of the programs are speeding up from a standpoint of the kids that they know that are good enough to play at their level 
uh, COVID happens and more offers are starting to come out for those, the, the obvious kids, I would say. Um, do you feel like that's the case or, or no? I think if you're talking about like, uh, you know, juniors to be, I think, uh, um, I, you know, I feel, you feel bad for a lot of, a lot of the people who didn't get to play, but I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think those offers are coming out now, but I don't, I think they were maybe just a little bit delayed and, um, it also, you know, it depends on your class. I mean, we're kind of, we're in a unique situation because we signed a really big class, our freshman class coming in this year will be on campus this fall is a big class. So we didn't really need yeah. a very big class in 2021. So we haven't had to necessarily panic the way I feel like maybe some schools have had to panic because they're trying to sign three or four or five or six kids. And um, so I'm probably a little bit out of the loop because we haven't really been made to be in that position. What we're, our, our issue will be, did we really get enough evaluation for those juniors to be, you know, that class of 2022 where, um, but I guess, so from our standpoint, we're probably still trying to figure that out because there are, um, and then the other part of that is you have to kind of decide whether you're going to be able to get kids on campus. So, it doesn't, oh, you know, you're trying to navigate. Does it make sense to throw out a bunch of offers at this point if kids aren't really going to be able to get on campus over the next few months? Maybe it's not till after Christmas where we're going to start getting more intense with visits. So should we wait through, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas before we decide to start making offers? Because we're not going to get those kids on campus to commit anyway. So right. I think, I think with the, with the junior class, the 2022 class, I think, um, I, I think you'd be better off being patient because I think um, coaches don't really know whether they're going to be able to give you a really valuable, meaningful visit this fall. So they're probably dragging their feet and, and making sure that they get, uh, um, you know, get their offers in order, you know, yeah. get their uh, priorities in order. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because, um, yeah, that the, your class size is, is obviously a huge factor in how you're going to recruit this summer. So if you got four or five slots open, you're probably, you know, throwing out a few more scholarships than, than right. two or one. So, um Okay, that, that's really good. Um, yeah, I think we'd have panicked a lot differently. Not panicked, but just we'd have had to we'd have had to make more decisions, more quick trigger decisions. Right. Um, in the last month or so, had we not really needed a very big 20, 2021 class. Yeah. Okay. All right. So final question plan. Um, okay. So there was a guy who posted a question in um, kind of like this. Um, so for players, obviously, who are going to be really dependent on this season uh, to get noticed, to, to start their recruitment process, maybe with a few schools that they would be interested in, um, what do you think is a realistic alternative if there is no high school season? You know, opposed to just yeah. AAU, like I know that's that's an option, but do you have you ever thought about that or 
you know, has that crossed your mind yeah. all this? Well, I think, uh, you know, a couple things would come to mind and that's in, in terms of just, I mean, first of all, keep working on your game because we, n the thing is none of us know what the high school season is going to look like. Things have changed so much, even in the last couple of weeks with, <laughs> yeah. you know, OPS going to virtual learning and who knows about football, but just, so keep working on your game because at the point where you get to play in front of coaches, you want to be ready. So, I mean, it's okay to worry and, and uh, <laughs> want to get to perform. But yeah. if you, if your game has a lot of rust at the point where you come out of where we come out and you're, and you're able to be seen, yeah. um, that's going to be impactful. But I think that's where I, what I said earlier about, you know, really narrowing down like where, where, where can you see yourself playing? Mm -hmm. And then being proactive. And I mean, you know, yes, film is important um, in terms of sending film to those schools where you're, where you really could see yourself and, and where have I visited? You know, if I'm, if I'm a, a senior and I'm, and I'm looking to play somewhere in a year, where have I visited that I'm comfortable and, and, you know, I don't want to say bombard them with information, but yeah, you know, what, what statistics can you send them? Not just film, but, you know, right. um, and, and endorsements and those sorts of things from coaches. But I think, you know, cause I've had conversations with some people, you know, who are worried about getting the offer that they getting the offer that they want. And I just said, you know, at some point we're all going to have to move on to that next kid. And, yeah. you know, so, all you can do is kind of control the controllables, you know, keep yeah. working on your game. Um, but I also think just identify, you know, shrinking your list because, but, but if somebody calls, you know, obviously yeah. that's, that's going to be impactful, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I think, you know, you know, something that you're doing, you know, post an individual workout. Can you, is that something that coaches would eventually want to look at because they, well, I can't see somebody yeah. in a game, but, but if I, if I see them in a, you know, 25 minute video and, and how hard they can work um, in an individual workout or a small group workout, I think that could be impactful to a college coach, especially, you know, it's, it's tough because, it, it, there is such a thing as over promotion. Like if you're a coach and I, you know, as a college coach, you know, that some, some emails start off and boy, a, two sentences in you're like, okay, this, this is a little bit too much over promotion, but, but there's nothing wrong with selling your, you know, we also, we want to be sold um, without being lied to, you know? Yeah. So we're always going to kind of, um, try to mesh, you know, numbers with, with video, you know, because yeah. if, if, if it's okay, maybe we saw a kid play this summer and she wasn't very good, mm -hmm. but if, if she averaged 18 points and six rebounds and whatever, and you can put together a statistical thing and then you can come up with an individual workout, um, and send it in that, that could be impactful. But I think, cause it is a, like you said, it is a different time and I don't know what, we don't know what this winter is going to bring. Mm -hmm. um, but I think 
keep working on your game, narrow the focus of, of the schools that you're most interested in, mm-hmm. and then maybe just be creative with you, either with with a statistical package you can put together or a, an individual or a small group workout. Those are things that I think could be helpful. 